Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem, the show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today is Manolis Kellis. Manolis is a professor of computer science at MIT, and he works in computational biology. It's a field where researchers take giant data sets relating to things like genetics and health outcomes and try and understand basically what's going on. Things like what are the cellular mechanisms of disease and how can we intervene to keep people healthy? In particular, Manolis' research focuses on genomics and a related field called epigenomics. Here's how Manolis explains what that means. What's extraordinary with genomics is that we can see beyond the limits of human imagination. You know, we're talking about millions of cells across hundreds of people, across thousands of genes. And and now we can now look at how the single genome manifests in every cell type of the human body in a slightly different way to create this extraordinary symphony that is the human life, that is human thought, that is human understanding, cognition, and every biological process. That ability to now start understanding the building blocks of how this human genome manifests into all of these myriad of cell types and their interactions and their combinations and their coordination and their communication is is what we can do for the first time. They're also giving us the entry points for understanding the basis of human variation, the basis of human disease, and the basis for reversing human disease. So that is the very big picture view of what Manolis does. In our conversation, we got into a lot more detail. Uh, For one thing, Manolis talked about his work on obesity, and that work is based on epigenomics, which is basically the way in which different genes are turned on and off 
And this turns out to be a really big deal. Manolis and I also talked about his work on Alzheimer's disease. In that part of the conversation, he talked about how he and his colleagues are trying to find these key biological pathways that contribute to lots of different diseases and how they're trying to come up with drugs to target those pathways. We started our conversation by talking about Manolis's early work on the human genome, which led to the work he's doing now. So the human genome was mapped back in 99 or 2003, depending on how you count. And then we had all of the nucleotides, all of the letters, 3.2 billion letters. Yeah. Then the hard part begins. How do you make sense of that book? So that was the book of life. So we had all of the letters. How do you make sense of the book? My own PhD was developing evolutionary signatures for understanding systematically the human genome. So how do you recognize where are the protein coding parts? Where are the parts Uh that code for protein? We Uh didn't even know. And just to be clear, sort of non-intuitively, most of the human genome is not protein coding, right? Like there's this very basic idea that like, oh, sure, the genome, that's what codes for proteins. But in fact, most of the genome is not doing that. 98% of the human genome does not code for protein. It's wild, right? That is so non-intuitive. <laughs> Correct. So, so in that mysterious 98% of the genome lie control regions okay. that are responsible for turning genes on and off. Okay. And that's where 93% of the disease-associated genetic variants are sitting. Huh. It's not the genes that actually code for proteins. It's the genes that control when are proteins made? When are they not made? How much are they made? That's exactly right. Okay. So I get that in a, in a broad sense. Uh, that's, that's sort of the state of affairs when you're coming into the field. That's right? exactly right. So I wrote a series of papers, both as a student and as a faculty member, that sought to then uncover how to even parse the genome, how to even start understanding, reading that book of life. So that's one part. The second part is where the regulatory motifs are. What are regulatory motifs? They are the short words of the language of DNA that are bound by regulators to turn genes on and off. So there's these regulatory regions, and within these regions lie these words, which are the regulatory motifs. And just to be clear, the regulatory motifs are part of what determine sort of when and how much different genes express different proteins? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's where the human epigenome comes in. So what we needed to now understand is how that genome turns to life. So you can think Uh of the epigenome as the living genome. As the genome, so the the, the genome itself is static. It's just a book, the tablets, if you wish, that Moses brought down from the mountain. And then the epigenome is the music that gets played from the orchestra. The epigenome tells you which parts are active in the brain, in the liver, in the heart, in the muscle, and so on and so forth. So your work on the epigenome is is really interesting to me. And I know you've done some work on obesity and the epigenome. Um, Tell me about that. The strongest genetic association with obesity sits in one gene called FTO. And FTO was renamed fat and obesity associated after that discovery. And it remained mysterious for seven years. People had no idea how that gene works. You just saw a correlation. There was a correlation. There was a correlation. That's the problem of genetics. And the beauty of genetics, the beauty of genetics is that it tells you what region is responsible for disease, regardless of how it functions. The downside is that it 
after he tells you it's the same thing right? <laughs> after he tells you yeah. that he has a role yeah. you have no idea how yeah. it functions yeah and what we showed in our work is that that region doesn't affect the fto gene at all so like in the middle of of a gene there is this whatever series of of nucleotides but those those nucleotides are just randomly in the middle of That's that exactly gene right. and actually have nothing to do with That's that exactly gene. Right. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, apparently, you can. So so um, there are eighty nine differences, eighty nine common variants, common like genetic variants that are all co inherited. Yeah. If you get A here, you get all of the other, uh-huh. you know, eighty nine. Like exactly, it's you a get package, it as a package that moves around. Yeah. If you get that package, it spans fifty thousand letters. But there are only 89 differences in, in these 50,000 letters. Wow. And these will increase your body weight by one standard deviation. Which is like how much it's is like pounds? It's like nine pounds. More or less. Like it's a lot. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically what that does is that it, it functions somehow to increase your risk for obesity. It's like the strongest uh-huh. genetic association by far. Okay. And what we reason is how could it be acting? It could be acting in your brain to decide whether you like sweet or salty. It could be acting in your muscle to make you more fit or less fit. It could be asking in, in your digestive tissue. So we basically said, okay, well, that's speculation. Let's look at the data. And we looked at the data and we found that there was this massive control region that was active in mesenchymal stem cells. What are mesenchymal cells and cells? They're the progenitors of brown fat and white fat. Now, uh-huh. white fat is white because it's full of lipids. That's where all the calories are stored. Brown fat is brown because of all of the iron in the mitochondria. That's where the calories are burned. So it turns out that our fat cells make a developmental decision in their first three days of differentiation to go down the white path lineage or the brown path lineage. And what the white fat does is it stores energies and brown burns energies. So it turns out that I'm actually homozygous risk for the store calories position. Which is the... The obesity uh, risk. So you you have the obesity risk. I have two copies of the obesity risk. My wife has zero. I can tell you, Uh you know, we we look very different. Not fair. Not Not fair. fair. (laughs) So we basically realized that it sits in the progenitor cells of white and brown fat. And then we could show that the true target was not the FTO gene at all. It was instead two other genes that are sitting 1.2 million letters away from this region and 600,000 letters away. And those genes turned out to be master controllers of thermogenesis. They are basically switching your metabolic state. So my cells are stuck on the store position and my wife's cells are stuck on the burn position. And so what is the relationship between the genes that are acting here and this, uh, this you know, package variant that is far away from them? It comes back to the epigenome. So our, our uh-huh. DNA is stored inside a tiny little space. And yeah. the, the way that gene regulation works is that you have these control regions that are scattered throughout the region of every gene that are linked together to that gene in three dimensions. So they uh-huh, loop around. Uh-huh. And so it's it's far away if you think of it as a strand, but in three-dimensional space, it's it right might be there. close by. In three-dimensional space, it's uh-huh. right there. 
Uh-huh. That's uh, satisfying. And when we took these genes and we modulated them, we showed that you can turn off one gene in mouse, in specifically the adipocytes of mouse, with a dominant negative... Fat cells. Yeah, fat, fat cells. cells yeah. With a dominant negative construct. And that turned the mouse 50% leaner. They uh, eat the same amount. They exercise the same amount. But they burn calories when they're awake and they burn calories when they're sleeping. And what's really fascinating with that story is that the variant associated with obesity is at 2% frequency in Africa, but 42% frequency in Europe and 44% frequency in Southeast Asia. Huh. So it rose from 2% to 44%, maybe because of positive selection. Maybe it was beneficial uh-huh. to be able to store every in, calorie. In places where food is, where you have food is scarce, in moments of famine. Exactly. Or in the out of Africa event, this may have been selected for, or in the you know ice ages, it may have been selected for. And it's only after World War II that this variant became associated with obesity because food became so abundant, perhaps. and we stopped exercising as much. Yeah. So it's yeah. fascinating to see how the environmental shift led to a new genetic association, which is now plaguing our society. And of course, the hope that by understanding the circuit systematically, we can now solve so many different circuits and ultimately so many different pathways and ultimately so many different disorders. In a minute, Manolis describes how he and his colleagues are trying to turn their genomic research into new medicines. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, my kids, so far. Uh, to-do lists. Uh, for this month, my sugar snap peas. I know that's not always. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. The automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. Another area where Manolis and his colleagues have done a lot of work is on Alzheimer's disease. They looked at a common genetic variant called ApoE4. People with two copies of this variant have a much, much higher risk of getting Alzheimer's. And Manolis and his colleagues were trying to figure out why. They found that having this ApoE4 variant was linked to problems with moving cholesterol around in the brain, a process called cholesterol transport. Then they did experiments in mice that found that drugs that restore cholesterol transport actually restored cognition in the mice. Now, that's in mice, and Alzheimer's is a notoriously difficult disease to treat in humans. So I asked Manolis what it will take to move his research from mice to humans. And his answer was really interesting. It pointed not only to ideas about treating Alzheimer's, but to bigger ideas about treating human disease more generally. The way that I'm thinking about this, the way that our team is thinking about this, is how do we enable personalized medicine and precision medicine? Namely, Alzheimer's is not going to be only about transport. It's going to be a combination. Every person has some combination of dysregulations. ApoE4 is the strongest genetic risk, but there are many others. And the question is, how do we now systematically take a person with Alzheimer's or take a family with risk and now develop treatments that are either directly addressing the root causes rather than treating the symptoms and are not only preventative, but adapted to every family and every person. And just to be clear, like having, you know, two copies of the ApoE4 uh, allele is neither necessary nor sufficient to get Alzheimer's, right? That's you exactly can have right. both of them and not get it. You can have neither of them and get it. So it's That's like... Exactly right. So complicated, so hard. So as with everything with human disease, genetics is not destiny. Genetics is a predisposition, and there are environmental factors, there are behavioral factors, there are nutritional exercise factors, there are socioeconomic factors, there's so many other factors that are affecting how your genetics will manifest ultimately into disease. But now the question is, for every person, how do we create a drug? And it's not going to be feasible economically or in any other way to create one pill for each person. 
The way that we're going to enable personalized medicine is by understanding what are the hallmarks of disease, what are the hallmarks of Alzheimer's, the hallmarks of obesity, the hallmarks of diabetes, the hallmarks of cardiac disorders, and develop therapeutics for every one of those hallmarks. So think of it as an arsenal of 12 or 20 different drugs for Alzheimer's that you're going to be taking a combination of. It seems like oncology is already some way down that road, right? I mean, you know, HER2-positive breast cancers have certain drugs that target them, that sort of thing, right? Is that the model? That's exactly the model. So the hallmarks of cancer have been the way of thinking about cancer for 20-plus years now. And the difference in cancer is the following. Cancer is subject to positive selection. What does that mean? Uh That means that because it's a replicative disorder where the cells, the cancer cells, make more of themselves, if a cell acquires a mutation that allows it to replicate faster, you will have more of that cell. So you are subject to positive selection where the bad mutations are increasing in frequency in every generation of the cancer. By contrast, most complex disorders are subject to purifying selection, where the mutations that are responsible for them are maintained at low frequency by evolution. Uh-huh. So it's, it's working at the opposite ends of the evolutionary spectrum. So cancer has a small number of genes that drive the disorder. Yeah. Complex traits have thousands of genes that are uh-huh. maintained at low frequency uh-huh. or at weak effects. Except so for it's ha- so that sounds much harder. It's harder to figure out what's going on, harder to target. It's much it. harder. Yeah. But the saving grace is that even though you have extreme heterogeneity in the number of drivers for every one of these disorders, they coalesce, they cluster, they converge in a small number of recurrent pathways. And huh, these uh-huh. are the hallmarks. Uh-huh. So you can find multiple genes associated with lipid transport. You can find multiple genes associated with neuroinflammation, with DNA damage. So you target the sort of pathways where they converge. That's exactly right. So uh-huh. we're not going to make a drug for Alzheimer's, but we might make a drug for DNA damage, a drug for lipid metabolism, a drug for cholesterol transport, etc. And yeah. that's what we're working on. That's satisfying. That's a satisfying <laughs> explanation. I find it, it basically compelling. says that it is a limited number. There's a billion uh-huh. people in the planet. We're not going to have a billion drugs. What we're going to have, it's a small number of drugs, one for each pathway, and these are sometimes going to be actually reused between different disorders. So we work on cardiac disorders. We're finding the same genes underlying Alzheimer's, and specifically the lipid and cholesterol component are in Uh fact reused in the heart disease. Uh Uh And again, it's about lipids. It's about saturation of the fat stores of an individual. And now the lipids escaping into the blacks into into the bloodstream, forming these plaques that will then cause heart, you know, failure and heart damage and so on and so forth. So that's where we're at. So is there I mean, the dream is that there is some dysfunction that is common to all these different diseases that you could target, right? Like I mean, if the, the naive dream is find the cure for everything, or not everything, but find the cure for a lot of things, or at least find a, a drug that will reduce risks of many different bad things, right? I mean, is that plausible, or am I just naive in, in going there from what you're saying? So you're right that some of the time, 
these pathways that we're finding are going to be helping in multiple fronts. And then yeah. that's absolutely the dream. We should basically start not with what is the worst disease, but maybe what is the best pathway that if we fix that one, we're going to have an impact on most diseases. Right, like the highest return on investment. For example, right? like, yeah, th yeah, that's a great way yeah. to think about it. Um, but the way that I would say it is that for each person, this might be a different molecule. So uh, now I'm now I'm not hopeful anymore. <laughs> but that with a small number of these molecules, say 100, 150, 200 molecules. When you say molecule, you mean drug. I mean drugs. Might... I mean drugs. Yeah. Basically, yeah. that there's going to be a small number of pathways and a small yeah. number of these modulators, and that yeah. those are going to be mixed and matched in each person to yeah. then target a combinatorially large number of people. Yeah, it just got hard again. I know <laughs> I know, biology is hard, but I, I got optimistic for a sec. Now, now it's There's not going to be a single silver bullet for, for all yeah. of those. In fact, for any yeah. one of these diseases, there's no silver bullet. But the right. moment you build your panoply of 50 silver bullets, then you're going to be hitting 200 diseases. Yes. That's the beauty of it. 50 bronze bullets. There's no <laughs> silver bullet, but maybe you can find a bronze. That's exactly right. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Now let's get back to the show. I read that you have been an author on more than 230 papers, which is a lot. Which one was the most fun? Oh, I, you know, why don't I tell you about my very first one? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the very first paper was uh, published in Seagraph, and it now has like 2,000 citations. And it was about how do we reconstruct the surface of an object from a cloud of points? So you can basically use laser scanning to sort of figure out points in 3D. And then the question is, what is the surface that goes between them? I've always been fascinated with 3D space. So it was very fun for me to just like, you know, as a kid, basically, as a, as a freshman at MIT, to, uh, to work on, on such a project. And then showing up at the conference, uh, it was in Disneyland. So it was my first time in Disneyland as an author of a paper. <laughs> Sounds relevant for motion capture, not knowing anything yeah, about it. Yeah. When I think of like, you know, people... Uh, with, with the way they make movies now, basically, That's exactly right? Right. they put a bunch yeah. of sensors on on people and they move around, and then you can turn them into a dragon or whatever you want. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, the you know that that paper has been quite influential and used for a lot of a lot of different things. What's the most overrated Greek island? Oh my God, I can tell you about the most underrated. Santorini, definitely not overrated. Tons of people, but worth every dime. I can tell you about my first day in Santorini, which is I walked out on this balcony. And I asked the owner of the restaurant if I can take a look at the view and I'm not going to order anything. He said, please be my guest. And I walked out and 10 minutes later, I'm like, I can't leave. I'm going to have to order. <laughs> and he tells me, 10 years ago, I came here to look at the view. I want you to throw a little bit of shade. I want you to get in a little bit of trouble. I can't. What's one place in Greece I should not go? I cannot. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, if you if you keep insisting, I'll give you another twenty amazing places to visit. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I did. I did what I could do. If everything goes well, what problem will you be trying to solve in five years? I think what I'm trying to solve now of actually creating these drugs in such a modular, AI-driven, personalized, reusable way, centered on pathways. That's going to keep me busy for a long time. And I hope that in five years, uh, we have actually solved uh, a big chunk of the platform and that we have at least a few drugs in clinical trials. So, you know, my dream is to take all of these circuits that we have uncovered and make a difference for humanity, make a difference for, you know, my fellow beings. That, that, that's my big goal. Great. It was fun to talk to you. I learned Indeed. a lot. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. And I love that you're fearless. You're like, well, we're going to jump into this new topic and find it all, <laughs> all about it. Manolis Kellis is a professor of computer science at MIT. Today's show was produced by Edith Russolo, edited by Karen Chikurji, and engineered by Sarah Bruguer. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. I'm Jacob Goldstein. One last thing, we are going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks, but we'll be back with new shows in early 2024. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year.
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.